Hello, Rams fans. Welcome to a very special intro to a very hastily arranged 11 personnel podcast. I am Rich Hammond of The Athletic. I'll be joined in a second by Jordan Rodrigue, and we are here to tell you that Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley is leaving the coop. He is headed down to Orange County to work for the Los Angeles Chargers as their new head coach, named, confirmed on Sunday evening. Jordan, we just talked about this in our podcast that people will hear uh, once we get done with this portion. (laughs) Are you surprised? We knew these interviews were happening. Did you really think it was going to happen? Actually, I kind of did because this is the one where we had spoken about Rich quite a bit. This was the opening where we thought if Brandon Staley wants this job, he's going to really fight for this job because this is of the openings across the league right now. This is the most attractive one. This one has the franchise quarterback who is just been had an astounding rookie season who has so much promise. This one has a really solid defense when they're healthy um, that Brandon Staley will really enjoy working with. Um, and it's pretty much a blank slate for him to come in. He knows Tom Telasco, the Chargers GM. They both went to John Carroll University. Um, they were really kind of quiet about this. They had there had been some national reports floating Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dabble, for this job, which um, seemed like, okay, that's a good match with a, a young quarterback in Justin Herbert. But I think, and Rich, we had, we had talked about this um, even before when we were recording, before this news came out. We were like, you know what, though? Something is, is interesting about Brandon Staley, and, and that is he is a former quarterback himself. And it's an odd path for a former quarterback to become a defensive coordinator but really, the situation here in how Staley built his entire defense was by viewing at and looking at it through the lens of an offensive play caller, a Sean McVay, a quarterback, and seeing in which ways a, such a defense could hassle said offense and assert instead of be asserted on. And he drew concepts from Vic Fangio, um, where he was the outside linebackers coach in Denver. And he also drew a ton of concepts from his time sort of, um, they they just got really creative when he was the defensive coordinator at John Carroll University. And so between those two experiences and then coming in and continuing to work that system and evolve that system um, and going against Sean McVay and really sort of being able to troubleshoot that system, but also keeping that offensive perspective as well, it's it's really, really interesting. And so that's why I never thought, even when it came out that the Chargers might be pursuing an offensive, quote unquote, offensive minded coach, I never really thought that that was securely in the bag for such a coach because Brandon Staley got in front of them in person and made his case. And I think anyone who's watched one of his press conferences this year or seen him coach, um, you don't even have to watch a full practice. Look at that clip of him and Jalen Ramsey on the sideline in yesterday's game and how Brandon Staley, Jalen was furious about the, the touchdown that was allowed. And there's a miscommunication with the safety. And the the Devontae Adams touchdown, the the really quick motion touchdown happened. And Ramsey went to the sideline. He was just furious. Well, with an extremely simple, quiet word and a gesture, um, Brandon Staley was able to get the two of them in the right space together and really um, 
isolate the play and diagnose it, and then they went about their business. And things like that are why all these players really love playing for him. And, you know, yeah, I think it it can be argued that it's a little quick, um, but everybody who knows Brandon, I profiled him extremely extensively earlier this year. Everybody who knows Brandon knows that he's up for this, he's built for this, and this is not too big for him. Yeah, you've heard Jalen Ramsey talk about him all year. I mean, anytime he's been asked about Brandon Staley, you hear the, the answers of him just being brilliant, I think was one word that was used, or genius, or whatever. I mean, it, glowing, and, and you can already see, I'm, I'm sitting here as we talk, kind of the, the Twitter feed is scrolling, and you see Chargers players, you know, Derwin James and Chris Harris already tweeting like how happy they are to, to have uh, Brandon Staley. So it'll be interesting. Jordan, I, I want to ask you, a, a couple more things. Everybody, I think, is is going to be looking at from the Chargers side. Well, Brandon Staley, obviously, we talked about his his kind of background as an offensive player, but his offensive coordinator hire is going to be a very interesting move. Uh, and then also now the Rams fans are going to ask, well, now what? <laughs> looking for a new, another new defensive coordinator uh, in in two years. So what do you think? It, it's typical for for coaches to bring over assistants who they've worked with. Uh, do you think that any Rams assistants will follow Brandon Staley? And those who don't, maybe, what could Rams fans be looking at here for next year's defensive coordinator? Well, I think the first course of action that Sean McVay absolutely needs to do is promote either Aubrey Pleasant, who has the tenure and the certainly the ability, um, or Eric Henderson, the defensive line coach, and and either one of those two guys could run a continuation of of Brandon's scheme here in Los Angeles that worked so very well for them. Where I think I lean toward a guy like Aubrey Pleasant is first of all his tenure, and uh, second of all the the system and the scheme is so defensive back oriented, and it so matters how many different types of sub packages and rotations that they have with with that um uh with that secondary and Brandon Staley himself his roots are as a defensive coach are in the secondary and he spent a lot of time with those guys and so that would be my first course of action to avoid the possibility that Aubrey Pleasant gets poached um by Brandon into that what would be a promotion um, is to promote him internally. And that's something that Sean McVay is going to have to figure out. Um, I'm told that the hiring decision in that regard is, is all him. So it's going to be, it's going to be Sean's call on who, um, who is either promoted internally or if there's an external search that happens. Um, and then furthermore, I think on the offensive side, a clear match is Kevin O'Connell. Um, you know, he was brought in to work specifically with Jared Goff. It's not a great, you know, it's, Great is probably not the right word. Um, it it would if you want to call plays, you don't come to Los Angeles. Kevin O'Connell, or you don't come to the Rams. Excuse me, this is going to get confusing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't come to the Rams because Sean McVay is calling those plays. Where Kevin O'Connell was really um, crucial is in his work with Jared Goff, and there were a lot of really important things that they tried to implement with Jared this year in terms of how he works out of structure. Um, some of the play design, and we've covered this extensively, of how they sort of had to shift their offense um, according to some of the limitations that they faced. And Kevin O'Connell is um, such a mentor to a young quarterback, and he played for the Chargers very briefly, two weeks on the practice squad. So I would think that he would be a natural target of Brandon Staley to bring in as an offensive coordinator. Obviously, the Chargers have a great option who knows Justin Herbert so well in Pep Hamilton and absolutely deserves any kind of promotion. 
um, as well. And then I would actually put out a name that maybe would surprise some people because um, of, you know, just kind of, you don't, you haven't heard a lot about him. Um, but running backs coach Thomas Brown, I think would be um, sort of a, a real asset to a staff that's trying to develop young talent in a lot of ways. And Thomas Brown has experience um, as a play caller from his time in the college ranks, obviously has experience as a player and has just been remarkable um, for the Rams. And so these, these guys, I think all are really, the Rams are really hoping that they can be retained um, if they are Rams targets, but you have to think and, and you have to be logical. I see a lot of emotion on my, on my timeline right now and I get it. I understand it, but you have to be logical. Um, you know, it's, it's a great compliment to the Rams if they have assistant coaches of, of this caliber. And it's also on, it's also up to Sean McVay um, and the, the rest of the people in the building over there to make sure that these assistants are finding room to grow and getting promotional growth as well. Yeah, that's that's how you get people to come to your organization. If, if they see that, if they see that you're that people go there and move on to bigger roles, that's that's a big attraction. I mean, it, it hurts to see them walk out the door, but it's it tells you that you have a healthy organization. If, if things like that are happening, you don't want to be stale and, and have uh, the same people around and, and not have any buzz about your assistant coaches. That's not a good thing. Um, so it, it hurts to see them leave, but but ultimately it's it's a sign that uh, uh, that good things are happening. And yeah, Jordan, just to, to your point, I you know it was just about a year ago. I can't believe it's 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 a year ago that these hirings got made. But uh, I remember when the staff settled, uh, the the two names that I heard, people said the the two who had head coaching uh, you know ex- material were Brandon Staley and Thomas Brown. And I didn't mm-hmm. even know very much about Thomas Brown at that point, but it uh, became pretty clear that, that he, had the, he had the goods. And uh, I think that's uh, shown up this year and wouldn't blame him at all if he uh, tried to, to go for that job. I think that would be an amazing next step for him. And uh, I think it's going to happen sooner or later. So uh, maybe, maybe now's the time. But uh, Jordan, the offseason just got a little more interesting, didn't it? Yeah, if that's the word you want to call it, I think. <laughs> we you, Once we get to the meat of this podcast, you guys are going to just laugh at us because we're chilling. We're like, oh, man, got eight hours of sleep. Um, yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Remember, Rich, Rich, remember when the quarterback conversation was the most dramatic thing that was oh, happening yeah. to the Rams? That was like last week, right? <laughs> no, that was like uh, 45 minutes ago, I think. Well... Jordan will be on top of the uh, the new searches, or at least one search going forward, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And I guess now, Jordan, we can kick it over to the uh, regularly scheduled uh, episode of 11 Personnel with a lot of quarterback talk. A lot of quarterback talk, Rich. A lot of quarterback talk. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond-Rich. How are we doing? Well, Jordan, I'm, I'm doing well right now. <laughs> how, how are you doing? Do you think enough people have gotten your joke yet? <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Not based on the Twitter responses. I'm just, I'm going to have to keep hammering it until uh, until people... Um, get the joke. But. I'll tell you what, when Rich Hammond commits to a bit, he commits. Yeah, no, I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll right be now. months. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'll just have to deal with all the unfollows um, on Twitter. But wow, uh, that's a really emphatic 
response, Rich. You're all in. That that means you are, in fact, all in on a bit, right? Yeah. Well, right now. Right. Now. Okay. Yeah, oh, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, say anything beyond uh, beyond this moment. But, okay. Um, okay. Jordan, um, the Ram season is over. I and, know. Uh, it's 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 funny how it really just comes to such a sudden stop. I, that that's one thing that always strikes me at the end of a season. How you just kind of go go go. You know, whether you're a reporter or a fan or a coach or a player, you know, you're just in the moment, you're so looking forward to it. And then it just hits the sudden stop and that's it. And uh, there, there's always, uh, I think, a little bit of, uh, of sadness even to just go, wow, it's, it's just over. And, you know, what a remarkable season it was. What a journey to even get uh, to the point where the Rams were even able to play 16 games and then play two playoff games. I, I don't think a lot of us thought that would even be possible uh, a few months ago. And uh, I, I think, Jordan, I know we're going to dissect this a lot, but but just to start off, because I, I know there's some negatives, there's a lot of negative things that have happened or a lot of angst, a lot of questions. But look, the Rams won 10 games and, and they won a playoff game. Um, I don't know whether there's a lot of people who would have made that bet a few months ago based on the way things were looking, the way that division was looking. So I, I know we're going to talk about some things that uh, are, are less than <laughs> less than perfect, but I thought it was important to start there because if you really take a step back and look at where things were, I, I think this was a pretty successful season. Yeah, I, I think that these guys should be really proud of themselves. And near the end there, they rattled and creaked a little bit. And, you know, there's some issues with injuries and switching out of quarterbacks and different things like that. They should have beat the Jets. They should have clinched earlier so they would have maybe had an easier ride, um, you know, and going in. And the if all things, all other things remain the same in terms of beating Arizona, beating Seattle, they could have really had an easier ride here. And that's something that Andrew Whitworth brought up about when you sort of look back at it you realize, hey, we, we could have made this easier on ourselves at times, and that's a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow. But at the same time, these guys, I mean, in this year where so many people essentially mailed it in as a quote-unquote redshirt year for so many, right. and the best you could hope for is protecting the health of your players and keeping guys from being involved in, in sort of these emergency situations and the sacrifices that every family made and essential workers and all the people that work in the Rams building and, and in its orbit and, and the people who showed up to, to test the players every day. And it's 176 tests, guys, 176 consecutive COVID tests. Wow. And to, to be the architect of keeping a space as relatively safe as it could be. And, and they did have a couple of guys test positive, but limited, you know, an outbreak situation and were able to limit spread. And the guys who did test positive are feeling good and avoided sort of emergency situations and their families avoided emergency situations. So I think overall, first and foremost, um, you know, it, it's really a hard thing what this country is going through, what this world is going through. And the fact that football continued um, will be debated, I think, long into the history books for decades, if not centuries to come. Um, but the Rams did everything they could to keep their guys safe. They did everything they could then after that to to make a run. And, you know, I, I think that these guys can really look back at the season and hang their hats on it and be proud. There were some things. There are going to be so many things, and I've got a column coming this week about just the magnitude of some of these questions that are facing this Rams team from the quarterback situation to um, free agency, to the salary cap, to some of their key players. 
it's just going to be a ride this off season. So I got a good eight hours last night, Rich. Uh, this is the day <laughs> after. It's technically the first day of the off season. We had exit interviews with Sean McVay and a couple players um, today before we hopped on this recording. I did get a solid eight hours for the first time uh, in 176 days. <laughs> and I got to say, uh, you know, it, it's a good thing I squeezed that in because it's going to be uh, ready and raring to go here in a minute. Yeah, I guess Sean McVay talked today. Did he say anything interesting? Oh, you know, butterflies and <laughs> Michelob Ultra. And... No, yeah. I think we yeah. just honestly, guys, uh, okay, there's a quarterback situation happening. Uh, in Sean's words, it's happening at every spot on the roster. But let's be honest, he was asked directly about his comments um, post-game after the 32-18 loss to the Green Bay Packers, in which he said, responded to a reporter who asked if Jared Goff is his quarterback. Sean McVay sounded like he either responded, yeah, he's our quarterback right, or yeah, he's our quarterback right now. Either way, not mm. not very enthusiastic to the question. And followed we followed up on it uh with him in his uh in his exit interview today. And well, uh, we're just gonna roll it. Sean, you were asked at, uh, after the game yesterday, right at the end of the, the Zoom session, is Jared Goff the quarterback? You gave a pretty short answer. I wonder if you could elaborate. Yeah, just like I said, everything's being evaluated. I'm not ready to make any sort of statements with regards to anybody, you know, starting position or not. Uh, we're going to have a level of competition at everything that we do. And so um, that's where we're at. And I think, uh, you know, being able to take a step back, catch our breath and, and evaluate everything as we move forward and try to be at our best. That's that's my answer to the question. Mm -hmm. I don't think we normally pick over exact word choice, but words can matter. And uh, some people heard you say uh, he, yesterday that he's the quarterback right now. And some people just heard you say he's the quarterback. Right. What was the the sense? Yeah, of what, what I'm what I'm evaluating is everything that we do, Kevin. That that includes the quarterback position, but that includes everything, and so that's where we're at. And um, and I think it's important for like a, I was kind of saying to be able to take a step back, catch our breath, uh, be able to look at everything that the season encompassed, and figure out the best way to create the most competitive situations at all spots, uh, and what we can do to continue to take steps in the right direction. And that's not exclusive to the quarterback, but. Um, you know, it's it's all encompassing to our entire roster. Is there any scenario that you can see where Jared would not be on the roster next year? You know, like I said, Gary, we're we're in a situation that we're in evaluation mode. Um, you know, all those things are things that you know we're, we're moving forward. We're looking forward, and and I can't you know answer any of those questions until, like I said, I take a step back and and you evaluate everything that uh, is in the best interest of the Rams. Okay, so Rich. I just tell me your what's your immediate reaction to that? Well, look, I, I don't think anybody is surprised by this. I mean, I, I think we've seen the the direction that this is going. And Jordan, we we just talked about it last week when we talked about those little signs, remember? Like and, and it goes back to to even the after the Jets game when when Sean called out Jared Goff publicly, which is something he had never done. Uh, and then it goes back to the week leading up to the Seattle game, where I will reiterate that he he made a decision on the quarterback before he needed to make one, and before he even saw how Jared Goff's thumb was going to progress. So we've we've had these little hints add up, and plus I think it's fair to to note that 
Jared's play. I mean, uh, the play for for many, many games this season has not been where it needs to be for for a top-level offense. So when when you put all those things together, I don't think it's a surprise. I'm not shocked to hear that. I still, Jordan, just wish that Sean McVay would say what he wants to say. Because to come out and say things like, well, it, this is just in the context of every position. It's we're going to look at it. No, no, you're not. You're you're not going to tell Aaron Donald that he's <laughs> con- going to compete for his spot. You're not going to tell Jalen Ramsey that he's competing for his spot. If Andrew Whitworth comes back, he's not going to do that. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I don't think these people are going to be competing for those spots. So it is just let's just say what it is. It's you're you're not happy with the quarterback play right now. And you'd like to get a broader look at it. And I don't think anybody would blame him for that if he if he just came out and said that. But I do think that's what we're talking about here. Uh, so I'm glad he said what he said in that in that session. I'm glad he didn't try to be any more opaque about it than he already had been. Uh, but I still think there's room to just kind of be honest. And, you know, Jordan, and you wrote about this too, I think, just to, before I throw it back to you, you wrote about this mm-hmm. early on, early in the season. Jared's a grown up. Like Jared knows what's going on. Like he, he's he's not going to be bothered by this. Oh, well, he'd be bothered by it, but he's not going to be shaken by it or anything like that. He he's a grown man. He can he can hear this stuff. Like come out and say what you want to say, and and then deal with it. So I I think we we all know where we're headed. I don't know. The path. I have no idea what it means in terms of competition or things like that. But I know, I do know that this offseason just got a lot more interesting. Yeah. I think that by there's an opportunity, and you guys heard in the audio, there's a couple opportunities for it was sort of like just lobbed up there and, and every opportunity to say, yeah, you know, I was trying to get out of there last night, so I didn't speak as forcefully as maybe I wanted to. Jared Goff is our quarterback, and he's he's our franchise quarterback, and he's going to be our franchise quarterback moving forward. And there, it's intentional that that wasn't said. So I want to make that clear. Like, right. if, if he wanted to say that and be that definitive with that, he would have. So in right. in in being intentionally vague, it gives you, I think. I don't think it's as gray of an area. I think it it does sort of give you some clarity about how much has shifted in terms of Sean McVay understanding and recognizing that if if he can't figure out not just himself and his direction as a head coach, but also the direction in which an offense that was um, one of the the 14th most inconsistent, according to Football Outsiders in the league over the course of the season. Right. And other than last night's game in which the offense I thought played very well, especially considering they're up against tough defense and the defense imploded, which is not something we've seen all season, (laughs) but in terms of the theme of the year in offense that this, this group, if they could have played complimentary ball at so many different points throughout the course of the season they would be making a much deeper run. They would have been seated differently. They'd be making, a, this would be a different conversation right now. And so yeah. there's, there's, I also see why, um, and I have not been, you know, I've not been around Sean McVay as long as a lot of other people have, although 
Um, for better or for worse, I've seen the dude every single day for the last 176 days. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's really. I remember when the Panthers were being trying to be coy about what they were going to do with Cam Newton, and it seemed because the contract. This is a very different contract situation. So let me put that out there because um, the the Panthers could have actually saved about twenty million dollars by. Um, releasing him as a post-June first cut. So right. um, that's a different situation. However, in terms of the scope of the position itself and the Panthers saying that they internally knowing that they needed to move on, you know, they needed to do something different at the position. It was intentionally vague for so long, so long. And the word that I want to present here is optionality because the Panthers were so intentionally vague and and to the point where, and this was a little messed up and I don't see the Rams doing this as, a, as an organization, to the point where they had their in-house media staff put out videos of the new head coach talking about how much he wanted Cam to be his quarterback, all the while behind the scenes trying to manufacture a trade market for him. That, that's not going to happen here, okay? No, no, no. But what I'm saying is the word is optionality where if you are – intentionally vague, you know you have no resources coming into a a unprecedented offseason where the salary cap is shrinking to about $175 million. You're already going to be over by 20 plus million dollars. You have several cap casualties on your roster. You don't have a first round draft pick, um, which is fine because you have Jalen Ramsey. But yeah. in terms of you need to replenish, you're going to let some guys go. You have no resources. Okay, you're going to probably need to do a lot of movement on your offensive line. You're going to need to do some movement in every phase. You got to get a pass rusher in here. You're going to do some movement in every phase on the defense because of the guys you're probably going to lose. You need to have optionality right now because if if you have a guy who nobody really knows whether you're trying to maybe manufacture some sort of trade market for him, or nobody really knows what kind of competition you might want to bring in or whether you're going to bring in John Walford, you can always in that way keep the at least illusion of having your options open behind the scenes when all of these talks are happening and all of these conversations right. about how can I best acquire and stack up as many resources as possible so I can get through this unprecedented season and continue to keep my window forced open because the best players on my roster in – uh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, guys like Robert Woods, guys like, you know, Andrew Whitworth, if he does return, like their windows, they're in their prime. They're going to be in their prime. So right. you can't, we, we saw this, we see this time and time again, quarterback play. You have to, you have to at least have something that you can, um, not only give you that optionality, behind the scenes to maybe build those resources somehow or, or even see if you can, mm -hmm. right? I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I'm trying to explain. Right. Yeah, it's it's right. just really, it's so, I can see why he was intentionally vague. I think though that by being intentionally vague, first of all, what a noisy off season we are about to have. But second of all, um, it did actually say, it, I think that spoke volumes about sort of how things have changed here. Well, yeah, he, he said, I mean, he said it last night. Look, we, we can we can debate what we heard on that clip. I, I've i probably watched it 50 times. Uh, I, I, I know what I heard and I know what I saw when, when his lips were moving. And, and what I heard and what I saw was, yeah, he's he's the quarterback right now. And when I heard that, that told me everything I needed to know. 
because that would, like you just said, Jordan, that was an answer um, because it's pretty easy to interpret. And Jordan, I just want to take you back, take everybody back uh, two years, okay, when the when Jared Goff was negotiating his contract extension or when we all kind of assumed that that was going to happen in the summer of, of 2019, um, Michael Silver of NFL Network did a story on this and talked to Sean McVay. And I'm just going to read the quote about the, the pending um, contract extension. It goes, whether it ends up happening this year or next year, there is a 0% chance this guy is not going to get an extension he's worthy of. All the narratives out there are wrong. Jared and I couldn't be more connected, and I couldn't be more appreciative of him as our leader. He is so vital and important to us and our success. That was not, that was a year and a half ago. (laughs) That was not a long Mm -hmm. time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And to go from that to, is Jared your quarterback? Yeah, he is our quarterback right now. Uh, when I heard that, I just – just the years of experience and hearing coaches talk, I knew what that was saying. Um, and and I knew the point that he was trying to make without really making it. And he made it a little bit more clearer when he talked to you guys on Sunday afternoon. Uh, so, look, it, it, this, is, this is going in a certain direction. I don't know where it's going to end up. And I, I'm not saying that to be vague. I, I have no idea where it's going to end up. And Jordan, the other thing I wanted to point out to everybody, because I know you are going to get so many questions and, and I will Bring get a few, a few <laughs> less, but, but just about, well, where do they go from here? And I, I don't want to bog us down in, in numbers or anything like that, but just to set the table for people who, and I know this stuff gets, it's really, there's so many numbers out there and it's really hard to, mm-hmm. to keep track of. But so I just wanted to, to kind of break it down as simple as we can, just so everybody um, knows where we are with it. Jared Goff has a, expected salary cap hit next year of $34.6 million. Um, (laughs) If they release Jared Goff before June 1st, the dead cap would be $65.5 million. And the salary, (laughs) considering the salary cap is likely to be $175 million, that's probably not going to happen. If they do it, if they theoretically, I should say, uh, do it after after uh, June 1st, which is what they did with Todd Gurley last year, the, the post-June 1st release, then it's a dead cap of $50 million. So that's not going to happen either. So Jared Goff is not going to get released. If they did a trade somehow, let's say theoretically they figured out how to do a trade, even the trades are accompanied by dead cap hits. If they did the trade before June 1st, the dead cap hit would be $22.2 million dollars. If they were able to do it after June 1st, it would be much more manageable. It would be $6.8 million, mm-hmm. which is still a lot considering the Rams cap situation and the NFL cap situation. Um, and then you're trading uh, your quarterback after after June 1st. I don't even know how that would work. I, I don't know who would take him um, well, at that point. Well, and, and apologies to interrupt, but you can agree, I was done. Yeah, you, yeah. You can agree to it before. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Right. You can agree to it and then and then yeah. do the trade, but you don't have the guy like you're not going to have him for whatever OTAs you might have or anything like that. He's not going to be um, in your building. Right. So, um, but I just wanted to lay that out there for people who because people are going to wonder and, and reasonably so. I don't. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not talking down to anybody. I, I know there's there's going to be no, a lot of so questions about this. Yeah. It's yeah. So complicated. So, so, 
that's what they'd be facing. Yeah, and so just to play devil's advocate here, because you know I love to do that, um, they also didn't have OTAs or preseason this year. Right. And so there could be a sense that if you bring in a pro-ready guy, so this is this would be via trade, if you bring in a guy who is a pro and a franchise-level quarterback, um, the the feeling maybe would be that we didn't have we didn't have OTAs. We had we had no in person contact. We might you know, hopefully we're at a point with these vac- vaccines and and the world is at a point where there's in person contact in the spring, right. and so you can that would already be more and a preseason that would already be more than what say like a John Walford would have got this year. Or right. than what, say, new quarterbacks like a Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina would have gotten last year, and so I think that's you know to me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be using this word. You guys are gonna get so sick of this. I'm gonna be using this word so many times. <laughs> optionality. When I go back to the word optionality, yeah. what I think about is there are there are three scenarios here, and by Sean McVay saying what he said, he kept to me, in my mind, kept all three of these scenarios open, all of them, and none of them are mutually exclusive, okay? Right. So the first scenario in my mind that could happen here is you just try to keep Jared as salty as you can. (laughs) Right. Because as we saw, salty Jared Goff actually has got a little hot sauce in his britches, and he actually can go out there and manage a game and wasn't turning the ball over. And uh, I very much enjoyed his press conferences to that point because he was <laughs> he had a little salt and a little fire to him. And I think that's that's important. He's 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 the guy that, yeah, you want him in a crisis because he's very calm, but you also want him to be fired up when necessary as well. Right. So this, you know, th- that testing testing him a little bit the last couple of weeks, dipping a toe in the water of of how how can we sort of light a fire under him in the John Walford situation in some of the headlines that were out about him being benched and whatnot. You could see Jared took it and he really internalized it and he turned it into what he did on the field. And I think there's a sense of pride from him in, in that. So that's scenario one is you stay intentionally vague. You continue to have your internal, quote unquote, great conversations and your functional conflict and what have you. But yeah. The noise doesn't stop, and that way you know that the quarterback's going to be salty and he's going to internalize, going to go to 3DQB in Huntington Beach and go you know, work his ass off to try to, to try to be this guy who he has the potential to be. However, there's also the very clear reality that maybe this, this is who he is. Even at his best, which I think yesterday, considering the situation, the thumb, even – at times you could see Jared is who he is and the out of structure stuff just doesn't work. And the things that you need to continue to make an offense run successfully, extending plays, um, really getting through your progressions quickly. Um, you know, he's got the arm, but does, you know, all the other things that make an offense, a modern offense, particularly as most offensive line plays devolved into the mean that makes an offense go has, you know, you just don't, you just kind of see that it probably is going to stay inconsistent. Right. Considering some of the situations that he has faced and continued to be inconsistent, okay? So you have to consider that. Situation number two 
is they draft a quarterback, and this would obviously have to be in the second round, maybe the third round, although you get you you run the risks of maybe not getting a guy who can develop into anything for you. Um, the lower you go, obviously, with and I know and, and I see your tweets in advance, but with some exceptions <laughs> in right. history, um, but you run that risk of the talent drop off and and particularly tough to draft a quarterback in a year where you really can't see anybody in person. You haven't been able to really get to games. The, the scouts have not really been on the road for the Rams. They've been doing a ton of projection models and scouting on on tape, but it's really been tough with COVID restrictions to get people out and going to visit these guys and all of that. Okay, so that's difficult. However, that plus a John Walford, who's already a super reliable backup and has showed he could start a game and and um, move the ball downfield well for them, um, that also is a motivating quality. And that does exactly what Sean McVay said. If we take it at surface level and set and and creates extra competition within that room. Right. Right. The third option is they work behind the scenes to manufacture some sort of post June 1st trade, eat $6 million in dead money and hope that the quarterback that they bring in via trade, because it would have to be a court. It would have to be a quarterback or a first round pick to draft a quarterback. And again, the second would not be likely because it is so this guy, if you do it post June, this guy would have next to nothing of an off season. Right. And, and you also haven't been able to truly evaluate these quarterbacks um, the way that a normal scouting season would bring. So less likely still could be a possibility, but if you trade for a, a more veteran quarterback, um, we all know who the popular name being matched to Los Angeles mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. He and Jer- D- Deshaun Watson and Jalen Ramsey also share an agent uh, that has been noted. Hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the third situation. And the thing is, is like, we won't know, <laughs> we won't know which one it is for a while. Right. Right. Like I warned in my column, we have to just watch. We have to look at the little things. There are some tells that you can see, uh, throughout free agency and the draft that will maybe sort of start pointing toward how they're moving their money around, how they're how they're adding to certain positions but not adding to others. What they do on the offensive line will very much, in particular, point toward whether they're going to bring maybe in another guy or or uh, you know kind of maybe even have a dependency on a John Walford just in case. Um, because if they do X or Y or Z things to their offensive line, it will either mean that they are trying to shore it up or they're running with it as is because they don't have any resources and it's about. It's going to be about the same as it was this year, which uh, is to say you're going to have to, the same expectations of a Jared Goff to operate out of structure. I mean, it's like I'm going down the rabbit hole here, guys, but come right. down here with me. <laughs> but like okay. it's it's really you're going to just have to start watching all of the little things. Right, Rich? Yeah, exactly. That That's exactly what it is. And it, that those will be the tells. Like you said, I think in your column too, the the types of skill position players that they bring in or don't bring in, things like that. So I, I think you laid it out there there perfectly, Jordan. And uh, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see. I, I do. I, I loved especially your, your first point about kind of uh, how much of this is intended to light a fire under under Jared a little bit? And I remember this is this is going to sound funny, and uh, of course it's 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 about kickers. 
Uh, but but I remember when the Rams first came here in, in 2016, and and Greg Zerline was coming off a a pretty bad year, and and there was the, there there was even public talk of you know oh we're you know we're going to bring in competition for Greg Zerline. You know our our kicking game is not where it needs to be, and it's to, you know we need to take a look. You know things like that. And then all of a sudden, Greg Zerline just turned into Mister Automatic. I mean he he couldn't he couldn't miss anything if he tried uh, that following season. So um, that uh, that. That was stuck in my mind a little bit, just in terms of yeah, there, there's there's maybe a little bit of that going on here. Uh, put him put him in the spotlight, you know. And I, I think I think Sean tried to do some of that early on after that Miami game, where it was uh, you know hey, standing up there talking about his his turnovers and things like that, which is something you hadn't heard before. Um, so yeah, I, I do think there's a little bit of that, but you know this this can go in in a lot of different directions. I, I Jordan to me. Like I, I, I still think the odds are pretty strong that Jared Goff is is on the roster uh, at 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 the end of the off season, whenever that is. I, I, is there a possibility you can do a trade? Yeah, there, there's a possibility, but I don't think the odds are in favor of it. Um, I think they certainly do want to create competition. I 100 percent believe that. I don't. I don't think Sean McVay is lying about that or, or anything like that. I think he does want to create competition. It's just, to me, I don't know how that's going to look. Uh, does that just mean John Wolford? Does that mean you have the ability to go sign a kind of a veteran free agent? Uh, do you have the money to do that <laughs> based right. on some of the other needs? That That's going to be something else. So uh, there's there's no thought in my mind that, that it's going to look exactly the same as it did this year. But whatever form that takes... Uh, I'm not sure, but it's it's definitely going to be a really fascinating uh, off season. But yeah, but Jordan, and, yeah, go ahead. Well, and you have to think too. Wh- whatever you give or whatever you bring in, you have to give something up in this league. So you don't actually, if if you're gonna go in on this on a decision like this, like if you're gonna bring, like you said, if you're gonna bring in a veteran quarterback in free agency, you're giving something up and you're already up against it in terms of the available resources you have. If you're going to use a draft pick to draft a developmental quarterback, you are already up against it in your draft picks. And yeah, your mid-round picks have been awesome, but you have a lot of places where you need to bring in young guys and and immediately start to develop them. And I'm looking especially on the offensive and defensive line. As we saw yesterday, a non-Aaron Aaron Donald's defensive line um has some issues to sort through and right, so right. you know and 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 you know it's it's not just on them there was a lot of missed tackles um in every phase and you know there was a touchdown that Troy Reader whiffed on and so you you want to look into developing guys and and bringing in development guys that you can build around your your core players but that's you know you have you need resources for that and and so it's it's going to be very interesting how they pool or or how they acquire more resources than they perhaps would have had. Now I think that it's not going to be I'm going to float it out here before I see it pop up in my mentions if it hasn't already. I would not be surprised if you start to see a scenario floated out there sort of on the national networks or the talk shows or whatever that Oh, well, what if they um traded Jared post June first for picks, ran with John Walford for a gap year, and used the picks to bring in a development quarterback and played him in twenty twenty two 
this is where we're at right now. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But but what I'm saying about Sean McVay not closing the door on any literally any scenario, including Jared Goff being the starting quarterback next year, this is this is what this door has opened up into. Because to me, not being definitive in that statement, the word optionality can be a double-edged sword. Like you now are opening the door toward hinting toward we got to figure out where our resources are, what our best resources are going to be, and um, how we can sort of stockpile to make up for the fact that we are already dehydrated in an absolute desert of a year ahead. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the question of what does competition even mean? And right. that's, I don't think we're going to get the answer to that right now, and I wouldn't expect that we do. But does that mean everybody's on the same footing? Uh, does that mean people have the chance to come in and, and knock Jared Goff off if if they really have a lights out camp? I don't know. And I, again, I don't expect. I'm not saying that Sean McVay needs to provide those answers right now because he he I'm sure he doesn't even have the answers himself. Uh, but but that just adds another dimension to it. And yeah, that I, that's a that's a fascinating scenario, uh, Jordan, that you're talking about. But then my you, hottest take of the year. I won't. I have like a, I won't, no, it, I won't have another one until next year. <laughs> you used my up one. your one. I've used up my one. I don't like. I don't like doing them. So. No, no, but it, it's very. You know, it's it is a reasonable thing. But then you get into the. You, you've got Aaron Donald in his prime. You've got Jalen Ramsey in his prime. This this defense that is the number one defense in in the NFL. Like, are are you going to do that for an entire year? Uh, when you know maybe that's that's not necessary. I, I don't know. I, it's it's. You kind the, of the thought whole... it though with Justin Herbert. You picked the right guy. Yeah. And he can come in at the, you know, quarter point or the midway point. He can come in and, and be that guy. Then you have a chance. I mean, coaching, yeah. you know, certain injuries and decision making and all that aside. Um, I'm just saying it's so weird, Rich, because right now and for the next like eight months, all of these conversations, you have to the, the way that and it's a credit to Les Snead and Sean and, uh, you know, all those guys in there that. They want to hear even the weird ideas. They want to hear the wacky ideas. And it's not a knock on anybody. Like, it's not, this is what we were talking about with Jared last week. I asked him about the idea of functional conflict within the building because you started hearing these stories about Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay really going at it and just beefing, but like in a good way, in a way that created something good, created positive ideas because they were disagreeing with each other. The idea of of continuing to, to communicate. Otherwise, if if you just have space and silence, negativity fills that space and silence. And I think that's such a great strategy and a great thing to have. And you saw the same thing happen with Jared and with Sean when they disagreed, very much disagreed on the status of his thumb, the the functionality of his thumb. And you saw John Walford start in place of Jared Goff. And yeah, Jared was pissed about it afterward and didn't agree with the decision. But at the same time, would you be, I would be worried if he wasn't pissed, first of all. And second of all, They they talked about like this is not just a you did this so I'm mad. This is a a, a living a, a football organization is a living organism and it is constantly changing and moving and little bits of it are are you know bursting off of it like when you you know see those space pictures of a sunspot like it's really just <laughs> it's so interesting and it's constantly so malleable and to keep it confined into well, he said this, so it means this, or he said that, so it means they hate each other now. No, it's not the no, case. No, it's no. like they want to bre- they want to foster these ideas and bring all of these ideas into the table, even the crazy ones. 
I got I had a crazy one not five minutes ago. They they want to have those be discussed <laughs> so that they can think about what all their options are, and so it's safer now for Sean to get up there and say, essentially, who knows what's going to happen? We're still deciding. <laughs> right, and, and and the thing is, it's not for for all the things that that we talk about or that I throw out there. the the important The important words that are shared are not between Sean McVeigh and us. Right, we the important we don't matter. <laughs> No, the important. I mean, it, it's nice, and and yeah. when I say that I yeah. that I that I wish he would say certain things, Me like I, I, that's what I mean. I yeah. wish he would he would do that. He's not he's not in he's not required to do that. the The important words are the words that are shared between Sean and Jared, and between Sean and the other players on the team, um, and between Les and Sh- and Jared, and th- things like that. Everything that's in the building, um, and that messaging frankly, may or may not be the same messaging that comes out publicly. And that's fine, by the way. It doesn't have to be. Uh, but but if you're, you know, if you're a Rams fan, what, what you should really be focused on is, is how is how are those relationships going inside the building? They, they Like you said, they may not disagree. They might have that uh, functional conflict or whatever it is. But, but uh, you need to make sure that things aren't fracturing there to where you have a problem. Right. And it doesn't, you know, based on what everything everything that's been said publicly, I don't see that. I, it, it seems like, again, like Jared is taking this about as well as you can take it. Uh, but you just, that, that's the important thing. You, you, don't, you don't want there to be cracks um, inside the building and, and you want that communication to be very clear and honest all the time. Right, exactly. And it's always so funny because it's like, you know, someone tweeted at me that I need to be, I need to go easy on Sean uh, and not get so frustrated when he doesn't, say the exact like specific thing that's happening and i don't i'm not like mad at him for doing that (laughs) i want to put that out there right now i think it's wacky some of the things that he some of the just gray area that gets found it's like the the world's most frustrating choose your own adventure trying to figure out like what the (laughs) hell something means my job is to disseminate these things to you guys so you know for all of you guys who have uh uh, put up with the patience that is required of sort of wobbling back and forth across whatever line is drawn in the sand. Like, I really appreciate it. But it's not like, it's kind of, it's so funny what you said, Rich. It's not like, it's not like he has to do it. He doesn't have to, you know, he, th- there are, there are so many layers of this chessboard that are happening. And so you kind of now, and Rich, you could speak better to this than I, than I can in terms of the more wackier gray area statements and and whatnot that have have uh perpetuated over the last oh, yeah. couple of years but it's it's um it's so interesting that it's become a litmus test of the personality sort of of this franchise in a way because that's the most forward facing person and it's just to me it's a it's just a fascinating study in um messaging and how your message is transmitted to a fan base that's trying desperately to attach to you or find reasons to attach to you and right. you need it and you need to be clear about your intentions with it. And it's just very, very interesting to me. All of it's been a real fascinating study, but nobody here begrudges Sean for doing his job and hiding shit from us. <laughs> like who cares? No, he, no. We're gonna, we'll, we'll try to find out anyway, but <laughs> You know, right. It's, not, it, it's just that it's yeah. the, it's the messaging to me that's weird because yeah. I, I don't understand there it's it's unnecessary at times yeah. <laughs> is, is what 
is what gets me. It's it's not that somebody like I totally don't believe me. I've been doing this for 25 years. I don't expect a coach or a manager to stand up there and be honest and tell me everything yeah. that he's going to do or she's going to do and whatever. Like I don't I don't expect that, but it's just it's weird to me and it goes back to the Todd Gurley thing last year of just trying to constantly be like no everything's fine I don't yeah you know he didn't get enough carries because gosh I'm just a I'm a dumb coach like Sean nobody believed that like there's not a single person in the world who believed that so why like what was the point of that I I don't understand and and even to this like and that's why I say you know to to come out and say things to on Sunday like well, this is about every position. It's it's about it. No, it it isn't. It's not about every position. It's about <laughs> the quarterback position, and that's fine. Like, just if you say that, nobody. Yes, it's going to be talked about. But guess what? It's going to be talked about no matter what. So you you might as well just come out and say whatever it is you want to say. Like, look, and I'm not trying to put words in Sean McVay's mouth, but I I think it would be reasonable for him to say something like, look. I've got a lot of respect, respect and appreciation uh, for for Jared Goff. You know, he's he's done some amazing things here. Uh, took us to a Super Bowl, but you know, things just they aren't where we want them to be right now. And we're going to work through that. And part of that means creating some competition for him, and you know, getting a look at some different things. And and that's what we're going to do this off season. Like, why <laughs> why not just come out and say that? I, yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing to say, assuming well, that's how he feels. But yeah, I, I, you're totally right, Rich. And he does say it about himself, by the way, you know, lost right. in sort of all of the the sexy headlineness of of what he said about the quarterback was yet he also said about himself, like, I need to like, there are some things that make me really shake my head at myself that my players made into positive plays and they were terrible calls. He straight up said that today. He's like some stuff that Cam Akers was able to do. I called some terrible plays for him and he was able to make positive things happen out of some of the the terrible calls that I gave to him. And, you know, he said players were able to hide some of the mistakes that he made, and he needs to take a long look at himself in the mirror in that regard. Now, I know he doesn't want to speak for somebody else in that regard, but I would bet you Jared would say that about himself too. Like he needs to to really sort of decenter the ego, and and I don't, I don't think he has any sort of problem doing that. And they, they're all kind of in that space right now. They're really trying to, to troubleshoot. And Rich, yeah, it's so funny to your point. It's like, I wish, I almost wish that, you know, this wouldn't happen because we're all professionals, but someone with a straight face should have been like, so Aaron Donald should be worried about his job. <laughs> right? I mean, that was my first thought. Of course, it's not about every position. That's not, it's just not true. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying he's a liar, but it's just, it's not true. So yeah, just, let's just, let's just say what this is. It, it is about the quarterback position. Yeah. And like, I don't think anybody would begrudge him for that. Certainly not a lot of Rams fans who are going to be applauding this move. They're, they're not going to be upset about it. Nobody's going to you know, blame him. And again, the other thing, not to belabor the point, but Jared, he's not going to, he's going to be able to handle this. I mean, we, we all know yeah. Jared Goff's makeup. It's it's not going to rattle him. He's not going to question who he is or anything like that. He, he can hear it. He can, he can take the criticism. So yeah, it's, uh, again, doesn't surprise me, Jordan, but I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm fascinated like you and, and I'm so glad, I'm so glad that you're on this beat for, for so many reasons, but, but, 
uh, one of them being that you, I know you're going to keep your eyes open about all of these little things, like everything that we can kind of look into, you know, whether uh, it's it's free agency or who comes back or who gets replaced or whatever. Like, I, I think you're absolutely right in saying that you, we may not we might not hear the big the big decisions, but we can kind of look at what's happening around the edges to kind of get a look at okay what what are their thoughts here how are they how are they viewing this thing and uh, I think that's going to be a, a fascinating part of the off season. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's going to be an adventure. Glad I got my eight hours last night. Yeah, another. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> Sean got his. I he looked no. pretty tired today. So no, I, yeah, yeah. like those guys put in so much work yeah. too, and it's uh, it's it's tough. You talk about the end of a season. I can't imagine what it's like for a. For a head coach to be, you know, just going and going and going, and then all of a sudden, there's just there's nothing, uh, there's nothing left anymore. Uh, I mean, you keep you keep working, but well, it's like the uh, wor- the worst adrenaline crash ever. It's yeah, like, because then it's just like you you look around and you're like, oh, you know, when did that picture get on my wall? Or like, what you know? It's like all these things of all this life stuff happened while you were completely immersed in something else, and psychologically, right. that's a tough a tough high to come down from, I right. think. Yeah, when did we get a dog? Yeah. Like, who, yeah who's, who's, what's this thing? What? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's true. It, it, it is so true. When, when you get immersed in that world, it, it's you, you, you really get tunnel vision um, and, and things like that. But, but Jordan, since we're already talking about coaches, should we, should we, should we go ahead and talk about the other, uh, the other coaching uh, decision that may be coming up? Uh, Brandon Staley, um, looks like uh, there's going to be at least one more interview. So do, do you kind of want to set the table? I know you've been following this uh, throughout and getting a lot of good information. Where where do things stand kind of right now with Brandon Staley? Yeah, I will set the table, Rich, but I would really like to hear a Rich rant after I set the table. Oh, uh, I know you, I, have I know you have one. Oh, <laughs> you, like... you know what? I do. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd really like to hear one. Okay, so here's where we're at with Brandon. Uh so he's got in person with Chargers. That's happening today. Um, he's got uh, Philadelphia. He's got Houston. A um, lot of chatter happening about that Houston job right now. Obviously, a guy who uh, he is uh, in similar networking circles with. Just hired as the as the GM up there, Nick Casario. They both went to John Carroll, um, which is quite a powerhouse for churning out uh, NFL coaching talent and personnel manager talent. Um, so there's a connection there. There's also a connection in Los Angeles with Tom Telasco, who also went to John Carroll. Um, it had been, <laughs> my God. So it had been sort of stated that Brian Dabble is the favorite for that Chargers job. I think that's a reasonable connection to make considering um, the young quarterback, Justin Herbert, and Brian has done such incredible things with um, – with Josh Allen up in Buffalo and really been a guy that players have really responded to. Um, there, I think, has been an emphasis from people in the Chargers organization and certainly in Chargers media that there's they want to look for an offensive-minded guy. I would not say that that rules out Brandon Staley because I think I explained it on a previous podcast. He is – a former quarterback, a former point guard, he designed his defense by looking at the field from the perspective of a quarterback or an offensive coach. Um, part of the reason why it's been so successful is because it takes away some of the things that quarterbacks do to break backs of a defense, to kill a defense, 
um, in terms of the various looks and the lighter boxes and, and, um, you know, forcing you to dink and dunk instead of, you know, those explosives, which again, we're going to just rule out this, this last game, um, because this was just very uncharacteristic of this defense. And a lot of it was Aaron Donald not being there. The defense on the Chargers side, I, you know, the Chargers is the best, best job opening. So I would imagine if there's one that he wants, it's this one. Um, this is the best job opening. Doesn't have to move his family. Um, yeah. He's got all of the talent in the world. They also have a reasonably high draft pick again. Um, and, you know, you, you can also, you, he'd probably bring in uh, a bunch of guys that he's worked with. Um, if he gets hired somewhere, the Rams better try like hell to promote Aubrey Pleasant because uh, Brandon Staley would definitely want to take that guy with him. Um, you know, I would say a couple of, uh, uh, of other guys, coach Cooley um, in the secondary that, you know, the, the Rams have got to take some steps to to lock some of these guys up, um, into promotions if Brandon Staley does get a job elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it's kind of an evolving situation. Um, if it were me choosing, I think I would rather, uh, wait this cycle out other than take the Houston job considering, how set up for failure whoever oh. goes in there seems to be. But you really just never know what's going to happen. And there's a lot of connection there. Um, you know, lots of things can change over the next week. But buckle in for the next couple of days, guys, because there's going to be some news happening, um, whether for the positive or the negative. Um, right. Although if you're Brandon, both things are positive, because if you can come back and run this defense, um, you're still in a pretty good spot. He loves it here. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot of things to consider and, uh, we're just going to have to see. Yeah. I agree with you with the chargers thing. And I know Rams fans, the last thing they want to hear is, is chargers talk, but I, I just wanted to mention briefly, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, Brian Dabble is probably the the pick there, but maybe not. I mean, look, Brandon Staley's coming in for a second interview. That's no small thing. When, when a team brings you in for a second interview, that means they are, they are very serious about you. And the one thing you can look at it with that chargers team is, Obviously, there's a lot of focus on Justin Herbert and, and on the offense, but uh, people forget before the season, the Chargers defense was supposed to be the thing that, that carried them. And then they ended up losing Derwin James for the whole season. And then uh, Joey Bosa was, I don't think he was ever at 100% during the season. So, uh, you know, if Brandon Staley were to walk into that defense or walk into that team in general, I mean, you've, you've already have a, a franchise quarterback, you've got some good pieces on offense, and then you, you really have the ability to build a pretty good defense there too so I agree if if there was if there was a pick if if he does get offered that job I think I would take that job if it's any other job at this point uh, I don't know I mean the the thing Jordan is (laughs) I don't know I mean how many jobs really come up like if you fire your head coach you've probably got some problems, right? I mean, very rarely, unless, you know, somebody steps down, somebody retires or whatever, and then there's an opening. I mean, usually if a coach gets fired, your team is in some level of disarray, uh, no matter what. But some of these are a lot worse than others. I wouldn't want to take that Houston job. Yeah. You know, the Jets job is... The, the Jets job is kind of a perpetual problem. Uh, even Jacksonville, obviously, uh, you know, Urban Meyer goes there, but the, but the owner says some weird stuff there. There's, you know, <laughs> anyway, point being, I mean, you, you very rarely does the, the absolutely perfect opportunity uh, kind of come along. So you kind of have to weigh it. And, and I would take the Chargers job if it was there. Just based on the the talent that's there and the potential to yeah. improve over the next couple of years, but yeah, Jordan. Other than that, I I think I would kind of come back and say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm gonna try to kick butt with the Rams for one more year, and then uh, and then see what else I can get. 
And you know what is so interesting? Like the the window for him doesn't close if he doesn't take a job this year or he isn't offered a job. Because if you think about it, he's got the core, the core of this defense is locked up. He's got some really talented, even though they're going to lose some players, I assume they're going to draft at least one or two guys on the edge um, and develop, maybe bring in someone in free agency, try to keep Leonard. Although I don't know how well that will work considering limited resources in the season he had. Um, The other thing is you're on a team. You're the defensive coordinator on a team, not only with two of the best players in the world on it, but also um, you've got Sean McVay on your side. And I think we can see in the most adverse of seasons possible this year, you can still count on the Rams to be a contender as long as Sean McVay is the head coach of this team. So you yeah. are probably going to be a playoff-worthy team as long as Sean McVay is the head coach, no matter what happens at quarterback, because this was the most inconsistent year. I know Jared had a bad year last year, but didn't still didn't get injured. You know, this is one of the most inconsistent offensive years a Sean McVay-led team has had, um, had a really inconsistent one and still almost made the playoffs and would have in the expanded field. So at this point, factoring in the expanded field, you are probably going to be in the conversation for f- just by the sake of you're in a Sean Mc- on a Sean McVay team. You're doing great work on a Sean McVay team. Your defense is smarter than most other defenses in the league. And in fact, it's setting a trend for the way that most defenses are probably going to have to start to, to, um, to lean as the, the league gets more and more pass heavy and more and more dependent on, uh, on offense. And, and it's just really, um, I think he's in a good spot either way, but I wouldn't take the Houston job. No. Like, it, isn't that crazy to say? Cause it's an NFL coaching job. It's an amazing opportunity, but like, I would not take that job. And I think that if, if you, something that, that I really admire about Brandon is his ability to set his players up for success. Even the ones who are, not the premier players, the guys who are in, you know, the linebacker room who probably would be low on a roster in a lot of other places and schemes them up to where they're still able to have success. Um, The way that he, you know, moved a guy like Nick Scott into the offense when they didn't have any extra safety help because of injury, you know, he sets people up for success. He should want the same thing for himself. And that's all I'll say about it. But it's really interesting. And I also don't think just to, to throw it out there, because I know you have some thoughts on this, the they're not going to factor in yesterday's game. I mean, they, they could. I, a smart team right. factors in the body of work and not what happened yesterday. Um, yesterday was so uncharacteristic of this defense, and you had um, poor Aaron Donald, who was clearly in a lot of pain, um, and you're playing against Aaron Rodgers in an MVP season where he could go out and win the Super Bowl. So it, it's it's really, I think, uh, you you can't really factor that in. No, 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 no. It's it's it, like you said, it's one game against a, a, just a, a wonderful offense. I mean, I, I know Rams fans don't want to hear it put that way, but um, I, I was just watching that offense and and thinking like. Where where are the holes here? Like they just they don't have any. I mean they have a quarterback, they have a, a running back, a great offensive line, multiple receivers, tight end. I mean they they have everything uh, that you could want, and and they just executed very well and and didn't make any mistakes on Saturday. So uh, hats off to them. And no, I I don't think that one game is going to make anybody look and go, oh my goodness. Well, clearly they've been exposed, and that was just a fluke all season long. Um, so yeah, Jordan, to your point, I I don't want to make this a long rant. Last week's was was a was a long <laughs> one, so I'll, I'll make it short and sweet. And and I'll preface it by saying that I totally 
100% understand that people get emotional during games. I do too, not with the Rams, but with other teams. I understand it. I'm not judging. I'm not trying to talk down to anybody. However, in case there are anybody, there is anybody who uh, still continue to hold this belief, uh, Brandon Staley did not do anything wrong. He held two job interviews on Sunday, last Sunday, the day after the Seattle game. That is completely normal. It happens every single year to multiple assistant coaches, coordinators who are on playoff teams. It's specifically designed so that they can get those interviews done on that day and then get back to work. And usually it's a lot more disruptive than it is this year because usually they would be flying to those cities to do those interviews or at least to a neutral city to to talk to the ownership. They didn't do that this time. Brandon Saley did it however he did it, telephone, Zoom, uh, uh, FaceTime. I don't know what he did it, but he was he was somewhere in Southern California uh, when he did it. That did not, did not disrupt Brandon Staley's ability either mentally or in terms of hours of work. It did not impact his game planning for the Green Bay game. And I don't know what else to tell you. I understand people are upset because the Rams defense turned in, I think what we could say in a full four quarters was probably its worst effort of the season. Right. Uh, There's been, you know, the Buffalo first half was pretty bad. There's been a couple others. This was, uh, in terms of 60 minutes, this was probably the worst game. Aaron Donald was clearly diminished. There's no question about that. And you can't. I mean, he showed his value based on the fact that he could only play about half the game. And even in the half that he did play, he clearly was not himself. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I just wanted to make the point that you you can be upset with Brandon Staley. You can say he didn't have the right scheme or he didn't adjust. Whatever you want to say about him in the game is fine. I don't, I'm not going to argue with anybody about that. But he did not do the Rams a disservice by interviewing for other jobs. That's just, it's just not true. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, heat of the moment situation, I think. It is. Uh, And, yeah, yeah, and it's, um, you know, I think that in the light of day, those sort of tweets or or criticisms maybe look pretty bad because you look at the entire body of work of what this team could have been without this defense, and it's not great. So, um, and Sean McVay actually was the first to bring that up uh, in his post-game press conference, so I thought that was important as well. And we'll just have to see what happens in terms of the job search and um, yeah, you're going to start, you're going to start, things will start heating up in that regard. He's either, you know, like I said, this Chargers job, that would be the one to push for if you're going to push for one. So we'll just have to see how it goes. And, um, you know, this is a welcome to the off season, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess we'll see, you know, and a lot of people, I I don't, I, I certainly don't want it to make it sound like we're, we're covering this up or anything. It's, it's, should be addressed. I, I don't know what's going to happen with John Bonamago either. I mean, it, it'll oh, be yeah. interesting that's to see. Oh, yeah, that's the one that I wanted to bring up to you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was one year, and and again, I, I these are fair questions, and I, I think we mentioned it last week. I really try to stay away from some of these real specific special teams questions because it's one area that I just don't know a lot about. Like, people are asking about Johnny Hecker, and it came up again yesterday. Like, why doesn't he look quite as you know, dynamic as usual. Why is he not just getting the the distance on some of those kicks? I, it's a good question. I'm not, 
I, I, I wish I knew the answer. And I know, Jordan, you you ask about this a lot, too, or try to poke around. And it's, it's, it's something it's so unique on the on the team, you know, or in football. It's, it's not something that's like anything else. And uh, it's, it's such a kind of little bit of an insular world with it within special teams. But I, I think it's a fair question. I, I, I look, I, I certainly don't think you can say that the special teams unit improved this year. No. Um, and I think you could make a pretty strong argument that it that it took a step backward in, in a lot of areas. So is that worthy of making a change? Do you give it a full off season to uh, give him a little bit more time to work with some of these guys? I don't know. I, I think it'll be certainly a point of conversation, right? Yeah. And I, I actually asked Sean straight up uh, during his press conference today. <laughs> oh, good. Um, you will not be shocked to know I did not get an answer. <laughs> what? But- but um, I actually I asked him. So first I asked him about uh, whether, you know, other than the opportunity based movement that he might see, whether he'll he expects to keep his his staff, his coordinators and his assistants intact. And um, he basically said, I'm really happy for Brandon. Whatever happens, he's got a busy weekend. <laughs> and I was like, Sean, are you happy with the job Kevin O'Connell did and John? And are you keeping them? I'm paraphrasing myself, but I followed up with asking about these two in particular. I have no doubt that unless he gets an opportunity elsewhere, Kevin O'Connell will, will want to stick around. Um, I, I feel like he has done a lot more behind the scenes than maybe we know. So I'm going to try to dig into that this off season. Um, if he sticks around and I also question what's going to happen with, with John Bonamago. And I, you know, I I think that, um, there's a couple of really, really outstanding promising young assistants on that special teams unit that maybe could deserve a promotion. Um, but we'll just kind of see what happens. And I, I am not by any means an expert on the art of special teams, but Right. It didn't seem like the Rams were either this year. So I think that this is something part of the thing that Sean, I think maybe I'm reading too much into it, but maybe it sort of had indicated at various points is he's not either. So he'd like, you know, he's studying what needs to happen as well. So I think you're going to, you're going to see whether they'll keep those guys intact or whether they'll go certainly expecting some personnel changes. They have to find a punt returner and a kick returner. Um, and, and certainly expecting, uh, you know, one of, one of those assistants should get a promotion. If not, they should bring a, a former player in to, to help guys with the buy-in a little bit. Cause you don't feel like those guys are out there ready to light someone up. And that's really could be a, a good mark of a, a special teams unit, but they're also not consistent either. So, you right. know, that's, that's a huge concern. I know it's been a crazy year and lots of moving parts and different personnel shifts and all of those things, but um, that's going to be Sean. They were very, very lucky that not only did they not lose a game on a kicking situation, but also that you could argue maybe that there were some uh oh moments uh, that maybe could have led to other things falling into place that hurt them and cost them a game. But special teams, I would not say definitively ever straight up cost them a game. Right. I don't think you can get that lucky year over year. You you might have you right. might have spent your <laughs> you might have spent your luck at that point. Right. And and I think honestly Jordan, I think it it'll be even more crucial in in 2021 for some of the salary cap issues that we talked about because a lot of the times your your special teams is de- determined by the bottom of your roster. And I don't mean that to be pejorative like that these aren't good players, but but these are the the backups. These are the guys who are kind of the 
you know, number 30 through 50 uh, on, on your roster. And it'll be, you know, in previous years, those have been pretty strong players. And if the salary cap gets tighter and so much of it is dedicated to the top four or five players, then that trickles down and that doesn't, it makes it harder to, uh, to bring in some of those talented guys or keep even some of those talented guys. So I think even more so this off season and going into next off season and next season, coaching is going to be very important mm-hmm. for those guys to, to have the right kind of scheme to make sure they're, they're playing to their ability because you, because you're d- dedicating so much of your salary space to those top guys, you might not be able to bring in exactly who you want to in, in some of those other spots. So you better make sure that they're, that they're well coached. So that, that'll be a, a real um, interesting one. And uh, yeah, the, the potential, the potential for more change. Uh, so it'll, it'll make it interesting, won't it? I guess it's uh <laughs> that's one word for it. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> interesting I think is a good word because um I mean I'm excited to to dive into the off season. I might need to muster up a little uh little couple more days in a row of getting a good 8 hours, but I think that um you know, it's it is going to be a fascinating the subtle I think it's going to be subtle in in many ways the changes that happen throughout the course of this off season. And right. within those subtleties, I think you could find a lot of answers um, if you sort of peel them apart. And that that to me is going to be interesting. We know the combine is going to be different, so we can't go poking around behind the scenes like we would usually do, um, which really drove the Panthers people nuts when I, <laughs> when I used to <laughs> do that and sort of get, get clues to things behind the scenes. Um, yeah, yeah. But won't be able to do that this year, so we're going to have to find other ways to um, extrapolate certain data points. And I think it's going to be fascinating, Rich. I know that um, I've really enjoyed myself this season. I think that this season for me personally exceeded um, any expectation I could have had in terms of just how great it's been to cover these guys. And what a fantastic locker room. Really, I I always joke that I give Sean a lot of crap, but I really enjoy covering him and covering his staff and very, very smart group. And the front office enjoy enjoy sort of the creative eccentricities that they have. And it's just been um, fascinating. And and I know you sold it to me as a good group to cover, but um, yeah, it just, it's been, it's been all that and more. And we've really had a blast trying to explain it all to you guys on uh, (laughs) on this podcast. It is. It's a great group to to help you learn. Um, is is one thing they 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 can be opaque in certain areas, and we've covered <laughs> a lot of them in the last hour. Uh, but but it's also a, a great group for uh, kind of giving you a glimpse behind the curtain. And, and Jordan, you've already taken such great advantage of that this year, and in in uh, generating some some awesome stories that take a look at why decisions are made or how they're made, or even a closer look at some of the people who make them. And I think the Rams do a very good job of allowing us. To, to look at that sort of thing, almost get a look under the hood uh, to see how the engine runs. And uh, I really appreciate that because uh, it, it gives a lot of insight to the fans. And, and I hope that that continues. And I know that you will continue to uh, explore those those kind of stories. So it's certainly been a pleasure to to have you on board. I don't want to make it sound like we are ending our season or anything like no, that. I, we're I know still people, going, guys. We're still going. <laughs> I, I do get questions. People ask, you know, how often are you going to keep going? We, we will probably pivot at this point to, to going once every two weeks rather than once once a week, um, although we certainly will be mindful of, of news that comes up and we might jump in here and there if there's something uh, super interesting and uh, to talk about. But but we'll be here with you uh, all off season. And Jordan, before we before we wrap up, I, I know you read the the uh, 
reviews on iTunes. And I don't know whether you saw because you haven't had eight hours of sleep in 160 <laughs> some days. 76. I don't know what, okay. I, I don't know whether you saw the last one got, that got posted, but it might be my favorite one of all time. So I, I want to read it. And it's, oh from a, it's from a person named, I, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but I think it's Trentano. Uh, and the, the title is The Best Rams Podcast. And it says, I always look forward to a new episode. Jordan and Rich bring thoughtful nuance and analysis to each show, and I don't know what I'd do without them. Seriously, I, I would straight up question my existence and move into a monastery. <laughs> but how would I, you know what would happen to Jared Goff at that point? I know. Can you even bring your phone into a monastery? That would be counterproductive, I Depends think. Depends on what it? you're looking at on it, Rich, yeah. I guess. So, you know, Jordan, we I think our challenge, we we don't want Trentano to have to move into a monastery. So we, we need to keep going and we, we need to have good uh, off-season content. <laughs> oh, you guys, I so appreciate all of you. I know Rich and I just get such a kick out of uh, all of our great questions we get from you guys. And yeah, you know, we're we're going to keep this thing rolling here through the offseason and uh, very, very excited to do it. But just know we're always available as well on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue, on Twitter at Rich Hammond. And I'll be doing several mailbags through the course of the spring. So keep an eye out for those as well. Probably going to get a giant, massive, supersized fun bag going in terms of uh, everything that's going to be happening in the offseason. Um, and as always, uh, please go subscribe to The Athletic Los Angeles. Uh, you can get, obviously, our content, but just a complete slate of amazing NFL writers and writers across every sport. And Rich, I'm going to throw this one to you. Okay. When you subscribe to The Athletic via uh-huh. the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world. What is it? You get a great discount. And a great all discount. To, all you have to do is go to The theathletic.com slash 11 personnel and you get all of Jordan's great coverage and the coverage of all of our NFL beat writers. We're talking about everything that's going to go on in this offseason, possible trades, free agents. You don't just get the Rams coverage, although the Rams coverage itself is worth well more than what you would be paying for, but you also get uh, the coverage of all of our other teams, all of our other beat writers. So, uh, So we certainly would love to have you on board. 